Keegan Murray goes for 47 points, 12 three-pointers in just an insane game where he broke so many different records. Like, if you looked hard enough, you could probably find a thousand records that he broke. 12 three-pointers is the king's record for threes in a game. He made 11 threes in a row at one point, which is a record, an NBA record. He's the youngest to make this many threes. Like, he scored 26 in a quarter, which is a, a king's record for a quarter. And he now also owns the highest career high of any of the guys on the team because Fox only has scored 44 as his career high and Monk has only scored 45. So he gets the bragging rights now. I was hoping, I, I think at one point he was at 45 when he got taken out of the game at the start of the fourth quarter. And so I was thinking, well, he tied Monk there. But then shout out to the rest of the team for just absolutely playing horrible when Sabonis and, and Murray were off the court, bringing the Jazz back into it so Keegan could come back in the game. And, I mean, going 12 for 13 from three at one point, like, that's just, that's insane. 11 in a row. He heard the trade talk about, oh, should the Kings trade him for Laurie Markkinen or you know would that be a good deal the Raptors want him in a deal for Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi and then the report was you know the Kings see him as untouchable and and he kind of proved why it was a few games ago where he had his first really good three-point shooting game of the season and I said he was back at that point and now he's even more than back. He's elevated to a whole nother level. He upped his three-point percentage in this game alone from 30.4% to, I believe it was 35.7%. Just an insane increase for one game. And, you know, when guys go crazy from three, usually they just start chucking up shots, you know, crazy heat checks. He was not doing that at all. And that's why he was so efficient. 12 for 15 is what he ended at from three. There were so many shots he could have taken. Like he could have gone for the record and he he just like didn't care. He was still moving the ball, only taking them when he was open. Got two really good looks in the fourth to try to tie it if he made both. One of them was really open, but he, he cooled off at that point. But like when you look at Buddy Heald, he had the previous record in uh Kings franchise history for threes in a game at 11. He went 11 for 21 in that game. This is one of the most efficient 47 point games in NBA history. Like it has to be. And he kind of, he picked a great time to do it because coming into this game, De'Aaron Fox was out with the shoulder injury and the Jazz have a lot of players out. And so it was one the Kings should definitely win and Keegan was able to step up to make sure that really happened and to make sure that it wasn't really close because it kind of masked some of the Kings' problems. Like, they, the Kings were not good when especially Sabonis and him were off the court. They were terrible. But it doesn't matter because we get to be happy because Keegan just kept draining three after three. There was one point in that third quarter where it just felt like the Kings couldn't get a stop and it just, it didn't matter because it's like, okay, yeah, you can have a layup on one end and he'll just go down and hit a three on the other end. When he got taken out of the game, the Kings fans in the arena, they were like 
going through withdrawals. So they had to start their own Keegan Murray, like it sounded like a call and response chant that they had got going there. And I felt bad for Scott Moak for, you know, he was probably losing his voice chanting Keegan throughout the entire third quarter. And he just, he did it all with the same expression on his face of just nothing. Like he, he just didn't care. And then he comes to the, to the interview afterwards. He's like, yeah, I don't care about records. And that is why he is so loved in Sacramento. We saw, we saw a few smiles from him. I really wanted him to get 50, but, uh, I think he's just too, too selfless of a player for that. Uh, in this one that's why he didn't get it because he wasn't he just he could have been just chucking up threes but he wasn't but there are still other things to talk about about this game not just Keegan Murray even though he will be you know the center of of most of it but uh coming out right away in this game it was Sabonis who was just super aggressive scored the first six points I think he had was it 10 points in the first quarter? Just going straight at Kelly Olenek. Like, you have to punish the Jazz for starting Kelly Olenek at center. But even when Walker Kessler came in the game, he was still bullying him. He was still pushing him out of the way. And Sabonis ended the game 9 for 10 from the field, 20 points. He got his 10 rebounds. He had zero assists in the first half because he was just bullying his way inside to score. Uh, but he ended with uh, eight assists. And I think all of them were in the third quarter with. Half of them, I believe, going to Keegan Murray. And so him being aggressive, I think, just opened everything up, especially for Keegan. And uh, the Jazz tried to go to a box and one against him for most of the game, which was interesting <laughs> to watch. And it worked. You know, there were some possessions at times it worked where the Kings were just trying to give him the ball the entire possession and it just they couldn't get it to him. Uh, in time, I guess, giving him enough time to go to work. But uh, for the most part, the Jazz could not stop the Kings when Sabonis was on the court. But for as many threes as we hit in this game, I mean, most of them coming from Keegan, we started out this game just attacking the rim over and over again. And it was great. And then the bench came in, started chucking the threes, and they were falling, which got us out to a lead. But a little too many threes and uh, in the second quarter just too many threes and there was a lineup of Davion, Monk, Sasha, Lyles, and JaVale. That lineup is absolutely horrible. Like immediately they gave up two wide open threes to kind of bring the Jazz back into it. Then, you know, there were a few nice plays where it was Monk to JaVale in the two-man game. Davion had a nice drive. But then the second quarter, like, they could just not score at all. Like, the first three minutes, at least, they didn't score. And at that point, I was just thinking, you have to uh, stagger Keegan's uh, minutes with Sabonis' minutes with Fox out. Like, you cannot have, with Herter in foul trouble, he picked up some really early fouls, like three early fouls. One of them was a super clean block. Uh, and uh, I thought he got unlucky with some of the foul calls in this game. But with that just full bench lineup, there was just no offense. When you have Davion and JaVale both out there at the same time, it's just not good for the offense. And the only way we were going to score was Monk hitting a three or Trey Lyles hitting a three. And Lyles was 0 for 2. And Monk ended the game. 4 for 12 from 3 and 6 for 16. So he wasn't super efficient from the field. 
And so that bench unit, the entire game was just really bad. I mean, we could not score. We couldn't really get stops. Well, in the second quarter, we could. In the, in the second half, we could not get stops, really, uh, with any unit. But the starting lineup was great. Harrison Barnes had a really nice game. He went three for five from three. I thought he started off pretty aggressive. Uh, the Kings were just going right at Walker Kessler, which was nice to see Kevin Herter after picking up that foul and he was frustrated. So he just went straight into the paint right at Kessler and scored. That was good to see. Uh, it was nice. It was a nice bounce back game from both Herter and Barnes from a few rough games from both of them. And Herter didn't take the most shots, but he went four for six from the field, two for four from the three point line. He had five assists with no turnovers. Again, had the foul trouble, but I thought it was just a nice game where he didn't really force too much. Like I thought at one point he kind of looked a bit hesitant, but he was getting his offense in the flow of it. And so hopefully he's kind of gotten his confidence back a bit. He's just a very streaky player. But Barnes, I thought, was good on both ends of the floor. His rebounding was the main thing I noticed. He had a couple of nice offensive rebounds, which he's had in the past like two games now. He's had some nice offensive rebounds, and I thought his rebounding on the defensive end was good as well. And then Keon Ellis had an interesting game. He ended up getting ejected. He picked up a double technical with Colin Sexton, I believe it was, at one point, which we didn't ever really get to see on the broadcast what happened they didn't show it and then in the fourth quarter he got like stripped in in transition and I didn't again I didn't really see if it was a foul but he obviously thought it was a foul and I thought it was two pretty weak technicals from what I saw but I just I didn't totally see the first one but obviously getting ejected when you're a player trying to kind of earn your spot it's not great to get ejected, but uh, it wasn't that big of a deal. Obviously, at that point, we pretty much had the game locked up. Like, we put the starters back in because the Jazz kind of made a run. But uh, the starters then kind of got it together and uh, were able to close it out, obviously, even without Keon. But Keon went 0 for 3 from 3, but he had 7 assists. He got stripped a few times handling the ball. You can see he's not truly comfortable just being the main ball handler, and I don't really expect him to be that. But he was making some some pretty good decisions other than him getting um, stripped. It was the defensive end where he wasn't great off ball. I thought for the most part he was pretty good with active hands. And the Kings were doing pretty well, especially in the first half, of contesting shots at the rim not bailing them out with fouls, getting their hands on balls. but and, and they never let Utah score 30 points in a quarter, which was great. But it's not that big of an accomplishment. Uh, you know, it's the Jazz. But you, you play who's in front of you. Like They were missing some wild shots. Like Not even necessarily surprising that they would miss, but how badly they were missing. They missed so much at the rim. But uh, it was Colin Sexton that was giving the Kings the most trouble. He had 28 points in this one, and he went by Keon Ellis a lot. And he backdoor cut him. Herder was on him. That did not work at all. Again, just getting fried, backdoor cut. So Sexton was definitely a problem, and Keon was really struggling with him. 
And I think those are just the learning moments that uh, Keon is going to have in the NBA as a young player who's finding his way. So I'm not too too worried about that. The Kings went small again, kind of how they have been doing it for a while now where JaVale gets his four minutes in the first half. It doesn't really go well. And so then we go small in the second half. In the first half, it just there was no space at all with Davion and JaVale both out there. Monk was really having trouble. I thought he settled for, sh- for some shots, but also it's harder to get into the lane to find space when you have it more clogged up. And so he just kind of had to settle for threes. Lyles had to settle for threes. It uh, it got a little better in the second half when they, they went small, but it still was not a great game for the bench. Lyles couldn't really get anything going. I thought his defense was solid. He was guarding Laurie Markkinen a lot of the times and was doing a, a solid job there. I thought the Kings rebounding in this one was really good. They won the, the rebounding battle by eight. Uh, Utah got nine offensive rebounds to the Kings, eight offensive rebounds, but I thought the Kings' defensive rebounding was really good. Sasha had some really impressive boards, and Barnes was really good. Lyles was really good. Sabonis was great. Sasha didn't have the the greatest minutes at first, and so he didn't really see the court too much. He only had 11 minutes in this one. But when he did come back in later in the game, he was making some really nice passes. He was the guy who made the pass, I think, to to Keegan to get him his last basket to get to 47 points. And he made another really nice pass to Chris Duarte, where Duarte just smoked a wide open layup. And I noticed that last game as well. I think the last two games before this one, Sasha has kind of been showing off his passing a little bit more. And that's something that I saw out of him at Olympiacos and we just I feel like haven't seen as much before these last few games but now we're starting to see it more and I think he's just selling in more and more and I think when you watch those garbage time lineups Sasha just looks like the most confident player out there and looks like the guy who knows what he's doing the most and so I think just as he continues to get more time in the NBA I think he's going to continue to be like continue to grow as an impactful player in the rotation. When he works from the high post or even just out on the three-point line, his passing is just really, really good to to cutting players. Another guy whose passing was good was Keegan Murray, who, you know, he didn't pass too much. He was shooting a lot, but uh, he did have some nice moments where obviously he was on fire, but he passed up some threes and would feed it right back into Sabonis because everyone's closing on him, but he would see Sabonis get really deep position and just feed it right to him because Sabonis had it going as well, and he had that mismatch down low, so I really liked that, not forcing the threes, but instead looking for the really high percentage look inside. That's something the Kings have not done enough of, and I think the Kings have been pretty poor in getting it into Sabonis when he does have position, and so it's good to see someone doing that. And that's a part of Keegan's game that we haven't seen a lot, is his passing. And so it's good to see him utilizing his gravity as a shooter. He's gaining all the attention onto him, and then he's able to find other players off of that. And he was making some nice plays inside the arc too, made that really nice like leaning fadeaway that I feel like always goes in for him. When he's off balance, taking 
mid-rangers over smaller players. Like, I always think it's going in. But he also had a, a great defensive game. And so he really just put put it all together. What we know he can do, he put it all together into this game. And I loved that Domas just kept looking for him, and then Monk was looking for him out there, and his teammates really wanted him to, to keep scoring and were feeding him. And I think everyone just wanted him to shoot more than he was. There were definitely some moments in that third quarter where they were letting the Jazz get into the paint a little too easily. And there was one moment, I don't know if this was in the third quarter, but the Kings made a free throw. And then the Jazz immediately inbounded it to Colin Sexton, who just had a one-on-one with Kevin Herter down the court and went right at him. And that has happened way too much recently, where the Kings, they get in their flow offensively, but they just allow the other team to go right back on the other end and score. And Keegan was hitting three after three after three, and then you look up and it's like, it's only an 18-point game. Like, this is a historic shooting night. And we're only up 18 after we had like a 10-point lead coming into the half or, or a 12-point lead coming into the second half. And Keegan has gone 7 for 7 from 3 and we're only up like 18. Like, what are we doing? And he probably wasn't 7 for 7 at that point because then the Kings were able to extend it uh, at the end of the third quarter there quite a bit. But that's definitely something the Kings need to clean up on because you, you can't let... Obviously, it's fine against the Jazz. It, 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 you know, they're not going to punish us, but against other teams, it, we need to be better at putting teams away. But I just really enjoyed this one because it was a, a pretty much low stress, just having a good time, especially in that third quarter, watching our guy knock down three after three after three, and it never got worried that we were going to lose this game. And that's how it should be a lot of the time. Obviously, it's not going to happen all the time, but a lot of times against teams like the Jazz, when we're at home, they're missing players, even if we don't have De'Aaron Fox. And I think it's good for the Kings to be able to figure out how to win without De'Aaron Fox. And I think it's good for Keegan to figure out how he can continue to score when teams lock in to him on the three-point line. Now, this wasn't the biggest test because even after he had hit three after three after three, Somehow, he still just kept getting wide open. Like, what are the Jazz doing? That's how it was last season with Keegan, where it's like, this guy's a 40% three-point shooter, and he just keeps getting wide open. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, is his movement just that good? Is it everyone else on the Kings? I mean, obviously, the Kings offense usually, especially when you have Fox in there, it's uh, really hard to defend. It's a pick your poison, so he's going to get open sometimes. But uh, it was wild how many times they were just leaving him open when he obviously could not miss. But they did key in on him a bit. And so it was nice uh, to see him like especially back cut for his last basket where it's like that's how you you utilize your shooting gravity. And then you back cut Sasha found him and he gets the, the easy two. And there were a few other moments where he was, you know, dribbling inside the arc and, and going to the floater. And he went like one for two on those in, in the fourth quarter, either early fourth quarter or late uh, third quarter there. It's just, it's just wild. It, it goes to show you how efficient the three-point shot is, like how much better shooting threes is than shooting twos at times. Because you look at De'Aaron Fox just, 
when he gets 40, you know, he's fighting for everything most of the time. And he's getting inside, getting fouled. And then Keegan Murray's just out there shooting threes. And and in 23 shots, he's able to get 47 points. It's like, oh, that's why teams just shoot a bunch of threes now. Hopefully we see Fox try to get back at him, you know, and and retake the uh, career-high points mark for this team. But it's pretty funny that Keegan Murray has the highest career high now on this entire team in his second year, at the start of his second year. And now people can stop sleeping on Keegan because I saw people out there tweeting this was one of the most random 47-point games, you know, big scoring nights. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Like, it's definitely not that random. I think everyone watching the Kings knew at some point he was going to explode. Like, maybe not this efficiently or for 47 this year, but uh, this ain't no Corey Brewer going for 50 points. And this ain't Sadiq Bay going for 50 points. Like, this is a, a star in the making here, and, and maybe people will wake up a little bit to that now. I think the last guy that I didn't really uh, touch on too much is Davion Mitchell. I mean, I touched on how his spacing out there was not great, especially with JaVale, and uh, his one three-point shot looked bad, and he just, he had like two nice drives, uh, one at the end of the first quarter, and then one was in the second half, but it just feels like those are such isolated moments. Like he always has those one or two drives and it's never consistent. It never feels like it's fully within the flow of the offense. And he's just not a good enough defender. Like even when Keon Ellis is out there going over three from three and getting ejected from the game, like it, it's still, you can see why Keon has the rotational spot because he's still has active hands He's getting beat by Colin Sexton, just like Davion would have. Let's be honest. He got beat because he wasn't big enough and strong enough to guard Sexton. Neither is Davion. But Keon is still, I think, contributing in other ways that Davion really can't. It definitely would have been interesting to see how this game would have gone if Keegan wasn't on fire like that. Like, Would it have been close or, or was it the Kings not locking in on defense as much because they were just up by a lot and Keegan just kept banging threes and and other guys were hitting as well. Like Barnes at one point was kind of on fire. I mean, I think it's normal to kind of play down to your opponent. And I also think it's normal to drop off a bit when you have a lead like that. So really it was just cool to see Keegan finally put it all together. And now theoretically... Things get even easier in the Kings' schedule as they stay at home and are going to go up against the Washington Wizards, who are 4-20 and on the season. No idea if Fox will be back. I think it's probably one of those uh, injuries where he would be playing if it was a more important game. But the Kings obviously don't need him to win these games, and so he can kind of just rest up and get his shoulder right. And the game against the Wizards... There's not much more I can say other than just don't play absolutely horribly and you'll win this game. Like, the Wizards are horrible. If Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole want to shoot 35-footers all game, or Kyle Kuzma wants to just shoot turnarounds all game, 
Like, that's fine. This should be an easy win for the Kings, and then the next three games should be tougher. But there's always a possibility that uh, it's a closer game than we think it should be. But even if that does happen, I got faith that the Kings will be able to pull it out. There was a game similar to this last season that the Kings lost to the Wizards where it was like, yeah, we should easily win this game. Now, the Wizards definitely weren't as bad last season as they are now, but there was that disappointing game. I think we lost to the Hornets, too, in that stretch, and so I think it would be an improvement, kind of show improvement from last season to this season, especially on home court where we look better than than we were last season so far this season. I think it would show improvement uh, if we could just kind of win the games that we definitely should be winning, even if it's close. You just find a way to win. So anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roll Report. I will be back on Monday to recap that game against the Washington Wizards. Keegan Murray is the best, and I will see you guys then. Peace.